Not going to be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. Remix number 20. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. My name is Alex Goffman. We are coming to you today from the studios of Vermont Public Radio in Colchester. And we have a returning intern, Derek McDonald, is back. You might remember him from episode 13 with Hannah Carney. Uh, what's going on, Derek? Yeah, I've been anxiously awaiting the call back up to the big leagues. Had fun in the minors, but it's good to be back. Thanks for coming out of the bullpen and helping us out today. Uh, today's episode uh, is, is timely because uh, this winter feels like it's coming to an end a little bit early. It feels like it kind of never arrived. And today's guest is John McMurray, who's an engineer uh, with Efficiency Vermont and the Vermont Energy Investment Corporation. And he focuses a lot of his time on making snowmaking work better and more efficiently for resorts, save them money, make them more snow. So uh, a very relevant topic this year and, I don't know, maybe forever more. Uh, Derek, give us a little bit more information to get started uh, about snowmaking before we hear from John. Absolutely. So the first snowmaker, the first snow machine, was actually called the Snow Cannon, and it was invented in 1950 by Art Hunt, Dave Ritchie, and Wayne Pierce. And that is sort of the first rough sort of prototype that we had. In 1952, the, the first use of the gun was at uh, Grossinger's Catskill Resort Hotel. That's the first use in the world. and then Of the Snow Cannon. Of the Snow Cannon. Okay. Yes. And then moving on to uh, today's day and age, there are basically four main types of snow guns that we see in use. And the first is an internal mixing gun, which is where the compressed air and water happen within the gun before being sprayed out. Then there's the external mixing gun, which the two streams, compressed air and water, meet on the exterior of the gun and converge into one stream in the air. Yep. Then there's the fan gun, which does not use compressed air. It uses the, the air generated by the fan in the gun to propel the water. So then the most recent and sort of, uh, you know, the movement that I understand people are going towards is the snow gun uh, or the snow lance, which is those vertical tubes with the many holes that you see throwing snow out onto the slopes. Lots of, lots of medieval names. We had the snow cannon, now we have the snow lance. I know, you kind of have to wonder who's behind this <laughs> the the design and, and naming them, yes. Well, cool. We'll ask John McMurray more about that and about his work at Vermont Ski Areas in regards to snowmaking efficiency and other topics here in a minute on Wintry Mix. Stay with us. For the last time, I'm pretty sure what's killing the crops is this Brondo stuff. This episode of Wintry Mix is supported by Ski Vermont. Get to SkiVermont.com for the latest details on conditions and upcoming events at downhill and cross-country ski centers across the Green Mountain State. And did you know that you can win prizes just for hitting the slopes? Download the Trace Snow app to participate in Ski Vermont's Check-In to Win campaign. Skip the airline hassles, folks. The month of March in Vermont combines historically strong snowfall with comfortable temperatures. Get to SkiVermont.com and start planning your winter adventure today. Okay, look, you want to solve this problem. I want to get my pardon, so why don't we just try it, okay? And not worry about what plants crave. Brando's got what plants crave. Welcome back to Wintry Mix. This is episode 20. My name is Alex Kaufman, and we are back with John McMurray, who is an engineer with the Vermont Energy Investment Corporation, VEIC, and Efficiency Vermont. That's a mouthful. 
So I'm putting you in an elevator. You have 30 seconds. Describe those two things to me if you can, <laughs> if it's possible. Sure, Alex. So VEIC has been a longstanding nonprofit. We do energy work and consulting worldwide. And we're operating the efficiency Vermont utility for all ratepayers, you know, all utility users in the state of Vermont. Like my house. Your house. Okay. You're a customer of ours. And that brings us a bit towards the topic we brought you in here to talk about today, which is the work that, that your organization does with Vermont ski areas or with uh, potentially the ski area or snowmaking industry as a whole. Before we get to that, have you ever made snow? I have, actually. The first couple of years in college, actually, I was moonlighting as a snowmaker uh, for a really small ski area in upstate New York, West Mountain. And that, that's just outside Glens Falls, correct? It is, yep. So West Mountain, I guess this is what, in the 90s? Early 90s. Tell me about that system. What was, what was that snowmaking system like? <laughs> they were mostly fan guns. So fan guns are a type of snow gun technology. They've where been around that long? They have. They have. Um, they're really old. They're, it's a Boyne Highlander. It's a type. It's uh, really ancient. And they were uh, incredibly uh, persnickety machines. They're constantly, we, we had a crew that, would, you know, two people would go up on a run, they check all the snow guns on the way down while the two people were kind of drying off their boots and gloves. And then when we got back, they would go up and do a run. And so it was, it was really cool working there um, and getting, getting able to experience what it's like. You know, the pay sucked. You know, my grades suffered. You know, but the experience was remarkable. You know, I'll never forget that. So from that experience, I would assume that when you're out skiing or riding, you, do you ski or ride? I ride, yeah. So when you're out on the mountain, yeah. I, was, I would assume that kind of like a, a restaurant tour in another person's restaurant, you're noticing things that the average skier or rider is not. Like wh what are those things from a snowmaking system when you're just riding around that you're noticing? Well, I, I am noticing that stuff. I mean, a lot of that comes from my work today with Efficiency Vermont and my work. You know, I've, I've actually been doing efficiency work with snowmaking longer than I was making snow. Yeah. But, you know, what I'm looking for is – you know, first the noise, you know, essentially when I'm going up the hill and you can hear the roar of a snow gun, it generally means it's pretty inefficient. They're spending, you know, a lot of money that they don't have to. Oh, really? When it's really loud, that usually means it's less efficient? You got it. So take us to uh, the beginning of when Efficiency Vermont decided that the ski industry was a, was a real area that where, where improvement could be made. Sure. Um, that was when, what caused it? Uh, Efficiency Vermont's been working with all everybody in Vermont for the last 16 years or so, but I think for the last decade or so that I'm aware of, we really started uh, getting into the businesses, the larger industrial facilities and ski areas in particular, and and we recognized that these were in very rural places and in using a huge amount of electricity for a very small amount of time. When we started listening to these customers and learning more and more about their practices, especially snowmaking. We recognize that they're constantly being sold technologies every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There's somebody knocking on their door trying to sell them something, and they have no idea whether this something has any merit or not. And, and snow guns were a huge opportunity, you know, for, for scale. Some of these snow guns for an acre foot of snow, which is simply an acre with a, a foot deep of snow, it can cost up to $1,000 to make that snow, whereas some new technologies can actually make that same amount of snow for $10. So we saw that there's this huge opportunity, but there's a lot of skepticism with the ski industry, whether these are snake oil salesmen or not. This year, obviously, a below-average winter. Snowmaking has floated the boat for a lot of New England. Um, your large newsmaking initiative in the last couple of years has been the, the snow gun swap that has occurred. Can you, can you bring us up to speed a little bit on that? Yes, the, the program itself was called the Great Gun Roundup. 
That happened in 2014, and, and the, the whole purpose of that program was for, for ski resorts to actually see on a large-scale basis what these new efficient guns can do for them. You know, over the last 10 years, snowmaking has evolved into an incredibly efficient technology, and it was kind of dogged in the past because some of the equipment that they purchased wasn't being used. Uh, it wasn't performing as they expected it to. Even after they tried, you know, they could nickel and dime it and buy 15 or 20 to try out. At the end of a season, when you're operating 1,000 snow guns, you might not see any change, you know, any dent in your energy savings. So we wanted them to kind of see the effect of large-scale implementation of, like, getting all those old dogs off the mountain and trying this new technology and embracing it. And in order to do that, we needed them to physically remove all those old snow guns from the mountain so they can't use them. You know, to pry that away from them, we had to come at them with a pretty enticing offer. Practically every ski area in Vermont took full advantage of it. I mean, it seems like it would have been a process that would have taken a decade, and you guys shortened it down to, to one to two years. Exactly, exactly. And, and Derek, before we got started, um, just basically listed the technologies that are in use out there. Can you remind us of those, Derek? Sure. So the four major types of snow guns, you might have more information on this than me with your background, but the four major types of snow guns include the internal mixing guns, the external mixing guns, fan guns, and then snow lances. So w which ones went out and which ones went in of those four, or if there are others? Mostly what went out was older internal mix snow guns. Those are where your compressed air and your compressed water are both meeting inside this chamber and it's just frothing up in that chamber and it exits a porthole. And that, that does its job and in some circumstances that's a great snow gun to have. But there's a lot more efficient internal, snow gun, internal mixing snow guns that are available now than were in the past. And the external mixing snow guns where you're you're actually accurately and very precisely mixing a very specified amount of air and that of water in certain stages, depending on the temperature. And that you can really narrow down your compressed air use, which is really the, the variable in snow gun efficiency. For instance, um, probably the most efficient internal mix gun these days costs on average over a season about $10 an hour to operate. And the most efficient external mixing gun costs about 10 cents an hour to operate. So it's pretty huge savings there, yeah. and, and we were able to really, you know, kind of take care of, like you said, 10 years of, of nickel and diming this to one. If, if you could control what guns were out on the hill all across the world right now with a snap of your fingers, what would you put out there? You know, I get that question a lot from our customers, and the reality is there's a gun for every occasion, you know, a snow gun for every occasion. You've got, you know, those internal mixing guns, they work great at really uh, low water pressures. So when you get to the summit of a mountain and these water pipes have to go through, at times, like 20 miles of compressed pipes, by the time it gets to the top of the hill, the pressure has dropped a lot. And these new snow guns don't really work as well when the pressures are lower than like 300 PSI. Whereas the uh, old internal mixing guns work great then. So that's a good application for a rather you know, relatively inefficient snow gun because it's the best you can do. Like golfing, you've got a club for every use, mm. every shot. In the last few years, you've been out on the hill focusing on the guns, but it sounds like something new is on the horizon where you're more in the control room now. Tell us a little bit about that. It is, and, and this is something I'm really excited about. So for the longest time, we've been helping resorts like with their equipment purchases. You need new compressors, efficient pumps, efficient motors, better snowmaking equipment. But one thing we really couldn't touch is, you know, we don't want to tell anybody how to operate their system because ski areas, 
they know how. They're the experts. You know, they know how to get the, the snow on the hill when they need it and where they need it. We really didn't have much leverage there, nor did we want to mess with their process. But we've also realized that in our decade of working with them that they're operating like multi-million dollar like expenses with very little information to how they're actually doing, like efficiency-wise or what this costs them in the moment. And so I saw this as an opportunity, you know, because snowmakers on the hill also don't have that feedback. And what I realized is that everybody here at a skier is disconnected from their costs of what they're doing at this moment in time, both the snowmakers on the hill and the managers that are trying to manage it. So it has resulted in, in, in a, I guess, a service or a product that, that, you're, that you're working on that helps ski areas uh, understand minute to minute their integrated data and what it means to their energy usage. What are the different data points that you guys are combining? Sure. We, we are basically taking what the mountain is already gathering in, at most times. You know, the kilowatt hours that they're using for, to compress their air, how many gallons of diesel they're using at any one moment in time, and combining that with how much snow they're making at that moment at that temperature. We were able to kind of combine like dozens of, of these data points into one. And we wanted it to be something that everybody could understand. Like nobody cares about a kilowatt hour other than us. But they do care about dollars. And so we, we had to put this in metrics that I think everybody were uni universally acceptable. And so we came up with this metric, you know, dollars per acre foot. And so using that, they now have a really instant feedback mechanism to say, what we're doing right now is better or worse than what we typically do. And that may help guide them to make decisions that are more informed. So swing for the fences for me here. So say sure. somebody has a $3 million annual spend in snowmaking, just pull a number out of thin air, um, and they're not using this dashboard, they're not trying to really follow that, that number the way that, that, that you are. Mm -hmm. um, say they adopted this fully. Um, you know, that $3 million can go to what? That $3 million, you know, I don't think it's out of line to say that can go to two. Yeah. You know, they can save a million dollars if, you know. For a similar amount of snow. For, a, for the exact same amount of snow, I'm saying. It all depends on how, how many opportunities were there, how, like, how on your system you were before, and, and what kind of clarity this is going to bring you now. You guys got a name for this dashboard or what? You know, we don't have a... a a great name for it yet we've called it this, what are this what are the what are the names you you don't use but you can tell me <laughs> <laughs> oh geez i i'm not the creative one in the group i we we've said snowmaking you, you got a helper over here yeah come we on, do come have on, a helper ask your listeners well you ask the listeners all right so <laughs> if you've listened to this podcast you have a name for this magical money saving snowmaking dashboard you can tweet it at wintry mixcast or you can chuck it at us on Instagram at Wintry Mixcast. Uh, feel free. Uh, it's a money-saving energy efficiency machine dashboard for control rooms in That's Vermont and elsewhere right for, uh, for snowmaking. Yeah, that was only like <laughs> 27 words. So um, you have a, a beta location, right? You're testing this somewhere? We are, yes. We have this installed at Bromley at this moment. It's live. So you save a ski area a million dollars. You getting 10% of that? Not at all, no. In Vermont, that's part of our role. And uh, outside of Vermont, you know, they can talk to us. They, are, they could be potential clients of ours. We can, we can work out a system. But our role is not only to help with the snowmaking at ski areas, but it's actually, you know, we, the resorts often have a lot more activities. They've got commercial kitchens. They've got lodging, dining, swimming pools, restaurants. We help them with all of those things. We're all-encompassing in Vermont. So like you said, residences, commercial, business, schools, hospitals. Equate ski area energy usage for me to something else in society. So 
mid-sized average Vermont ski area that does a quarter million ski skier visits a year, runs its snowmaking from November to February. Is that like the same as like all of Chittenden County or like equate that to something for me? Oh, that's a good question, Alex. Um, well, what we saved in 2014 could probably power a small town. All right, I'm going to interrupt really quick here because I was just too curious about that number. So I had John send me some information after the uh, interview and the answer, 5 million kilowatt hours could power 750 average Vermont homes with enough electricity for an entire year, or put a different way, it could power all of South Burlington for a week. Okay. Back to the studio. So let's change gears a little bit. How much is my home energy bill going to go up in the next 10 years? One thing we can pretty much guarantee you can take to the bank is pricing on electricity and all other sorts of energy is not decreasing in general over the long term. Usage is going down in the state of Vermont. You're going to finish the sentence for me. Let's try. The alternative energy that is poised to grow the most in the next decade is? Using less. The single best thing a homeowner can do to decrease their energy usage is? Low flow aerators. Low flow aerators. Yep. I don't even know what that is. I guess I need to Google it. Uh, your go-to after riding beverage is? An old-fashioned. Wow, classic. Snowmaking above 32 degrees will be possible when? The cow jumps over the moon. I, That's kind of what I thought. Yeah. It's never going to happen. The laws of thermodynamics are pretty set. What if we assign Efficiency Vermont to solving that problem? <laughs> I want a dashboard, and then we'll be off and running. 50, you know, we might need it. 50 degrees snowmaking. We're going to need it soon. Solve the problem, engineer guy. We might. We might. But what we're finding is actually these new snow guns are forcing people to make a lot more snow in colder temperatures, which is even more efficient. So it's a double whammy. That's a victory. We'll take it. And right. Hopefully next winter it'll snow a little bit more. I hope so too, Alex. Deal? Deal. Thanks, John. Thank you, Alex. So wait a minute. What you're saying is that you want us to put water on the crops. Yes, but Brando's got what plants crave. It's got electrolytes. We, uh, we thank John McMurray for his time for bringing us up to speed on the snow gun roundup and his new dashboard that he's been working on with uh, with Bromley and other regional ski areas to help them uh, spend less money on making lots of snow uh, because if this winter's any indication we're gonna need it have you been out a lot this winter or no not as much as I'd, I'd like to have. I usually like to see myself having more days on the hill, but this winter has been a challenge for sure. Yeah, a little bit disappointing, but thanks to snowmaking and thanks to uh, work from folks like John, uh, we can at least count on having some trails open, whether they're covered in powder or snowmaking or both. My name is Alex Kaufman. This has been Wintry Mix number 20. Our helper has been Derek McDonald. Derek McDonald. Derek McDonald. Derek McDonald from UVM. Thanks a lot. Uh, we have production assistance from Angela Evansy. Our theme music is by Adam Levy, and we'd appreciate any reviews or ratings on iTunes if you get a moment. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Now, what we might do is we might we might mess with him a little bit All while right. it's going on, just just to get some tape on that. You know, so just don't be don't be afraid if I go there. No worries.